Karen LaRitz had just gotten married, and she was scared. I looked into the mirror, and I just started crying. And I said, what in the world have I gotten myself into? This poor man, he does not know what he's marrying. I was ready to be a bride, but I was not ready to be a wife. This is the Revive Our Hearts podcast with Nancy DeMoss Walgamuth, author of Choosing Forgiveness, for July 22nd, 2019. I have been looking forward to this day for a long time. The conversation we're going to be having this week with Crawford and Karen Loritz. And Crawford and Karen, you guys are really busy, and <laughs> I guess I am too, so it took us a while to schedule this, yes. but I'm so glad that you're finally glad here at our out. studios in Michigan. Oh, wow. we're just thrilled it worked out, Nancy. You'd be with some of our favorite people here. So, oh, <laughs> I've often said that Crawford and Karen are two of my favorite people, and uh, now that Robert is a part of my life, you're two of his favorite people, so we just had a lunch date with yeah. both couples and... Uh, we go back a long ways. Yeah. Fact, How long ago? I think, Crawford, you met my dad like oh, yes. many years ago. Many years ago. We joined over, staff. Oh, my saying. goodness. Yes, yeah, 40, over 40 years ago. Right, yeah. So oh my, not when you became dates, a part yeah. of camp, what was then Campus Crusade <laughs> yeah, for Christ, right. yes. and I know uh, my dad was a part of your support team yeah. very early on. He gave us our first support check, my very first one. I'll never forget wow. it. He, uh, we were, I was there with your uncle. Uh, he invited me at a meeting that they were talking about the uh, what they were doing with missions and this kind right. of thing. And and your dad turned to me and said, "Well, uh, Crawford, I hear you're going to be on staff." And I said, "Yes." <laughs> and and uh, he said, follow me. And I went into the library and he wrote a check to help pay for our staff training expenses. Wow. My, our wow. first investment. Yeah. Well, that was so his heart. And he loved your heart. Yeah. Yes, he did. And y'all were on what's now Crew, uh-huh. Campus Crusade yes. for Christ staff for how many years? 27 years. Yeah. Wonderful years. 27 yeah. years. And Absolutely. Crawford gets to be on the other side on the board. and. God's doing some amazing things. Yeah, absolutely. You've supported and encouraged what we're doing through this ministry. And I've watched uh, your lives and your marriage Mm. and your family Mm. from mostly afar and been so grateful for just your steadfastness and the work of the Lord and your faithfulness in marriage. Mm. And you've written a book now, your most recent book called Your Marriage Today and Tomorrow. So you have a vision for marriages, not only how they can function in a wholesome and healthy way today, but also the seeds that they're planting that are going to reap a harvest for generations to come. And I know that's a big part of your passion. It certainly is. And, you know, one of the things I think in our culture that we forget is that we're so concentrated on the relationship side of, uh, you know, two people coming together and celebrating their love for one another. That's absolutely marvelous. That's, That's wonderful. But the very nature of marriage is that it's an enduring institution that takes us someplace. So it's not just about today. Our relationship with one another is to forecast what the future is all about. And uh, whether we like it or not, we are making an impact on a time that we cannot see. And that's the subtitle of your book, Making Your Relationship Matter Now and for Generations to Come. Yes. So for better or for worse— the seeds that marriages are planting in the culture, in our churches, yes. in our neighborhoods, in our kids and grandkids, it's going to have impact even after we're long gone. Yeah, and Nancy, I'm glad that you just, you phrased it the right way. Sometimes we think about, you know, well, suppose I don't have children. Am I impacting future generations? Absolutely, yeah. because 
the, the cultures watching us, succeeding generations will be impacted from us and the relationships that we have. And so that's the, that's the whole reason for, for marriage. And it really takes it away from just being about us to being about a picture and a message that is bigger than us. And really, that's the gospel, which Absolutely. our marriages are intended to tell the story of. Absolutely. I sometimes think that we, uh, when we read Ephesians chapter 5, we focus so much on the uh, the roles that we have in marriage, the husband, his, his job, and the wife and her responsibility, that we really forget the picture that is there. Yeah. The picture there is that marriage is to tell the truth about the gospel. It's to tell the truth about Christ's relationship to the church, and that marriage is the ultimate illustration of what the gospel should be about in all of human history. And so our marriage has to tell the truth about Jesus. And so that's what we give to the culture, and that's what we give the succeeding generation. I know that was one of the things that, as part of our wedding ceremony on May 22nd, 1971, at 2.37 in the afternoon when I said I do. <laughs> I remember that. Do you remember the, the time, Karen? I remember 2.37 <laughs> on May 22nd, 1971, when I stood there with my family and my friends and our colleagues from church and looked into Crawford's eyes and made that vow that I was going to love him and honor and keeping those vows— my family, they weren't Christians, and they were looking to me to see what this really worked. And so every time I look at, you know, what God has done in our marriage, that could be a drawing card to my family members. And still, some of them still aren't believers, but I took a vow, and I really meant that because I had never seen that before in our family. I grew up in like a dysfunctional type of environment with my cousins, my aunts, and my nana and all that, but that God would bless me mm to keep a vow, and it's all of God. And and by God's grace, and I say this purely by God's amazing grace, you know, we're not the fourth members of the Trinity. We haven't done things <laughs> perfectly here. But by God's amazing grace, he's used our, our marriage yeah. really to, to, to be a model and example to so many, not only in Karen's family, but in, in so, in, in a number of her, her relatives have come to Jesus. And a lot of that in large part because of seeing the transforming power of Christ right. and Karen's yeah. life and in our relationship. It's been amazing. And one of the things I love about your story, you brought two very different backgrounds mm-hmm. into marriage, as that's not unusual, I suppose. But um, you both had parents and grandparents and great-grandparents yeah, yeah, yeah. who impacted your lives, yeah. some not in positive ways. Mm-hmm. But to see that as you came into marriage and into Christ, that he was able to redeem yes. and to overrule the past. Mm. And I think that's a word of hope for people who are maybe younger married couples today or even contemplating marriage and saying, wow, I have this horrendous background. In fact, Karen, you told Crawford years after your honeymoon that on the last night of your honeymoon, you had a little bit of a had a meltdown. A, a meltdown. <laughs> we were at this great place out in a little village outside of Philadelphia, and I was getting ready to go out for our last night together having dinner, and I looked into the mirror and I just started crying. And I says, what in the world have I gotten myself into? This poor man, he does not know what he's marrying. I was ready to be a bride, but I was not ready to be a wife. And I called on God. I says, God, you have got to help me because this is going to be a hard situation. You know, Crawford comes from this great legacy of godliness, his mom and his dad that loved Jesus and married for years and years. And I come from this single parent living under poverty in the streets of Philadelphia, but God saved me, and now I married this man and said those vows days ago, and now I'm going to have to live in, and I was scared to death. 
and looking in that mirror, I asked God, God, you have got to show up and help me. So what was it you were scared of? I was scared that I wasn't going to be able to do all this stuff I promised to do in those <laughs> vows, you know, love, honor, cherish, yeah. obey. And I met all those vows, but now I have to go down and live it. And I had no models for that. I had yeah. no models in my home. My mother was a single parent. All of us have different fathers, and it was just a mess. But God took my mess and made a message of my life. Yeah. You know, I'll tell you, there's a friend of mine, uh, and Nancy, I think you know him too, H.B. Charles, who's mm-hmm. a, a prominent preacher. I heard H.B. Heard say something at a conference, and that is that your past may explain you, but it doesn't excuse you. Yes. At meaning, meaning that, you know, all of us have dysfunction in our background. And one of the things that I think uh, it's a little pet peeve with me is that I think in our desire to be sympathetic and, and merciful and, 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 and gracious and kind, we so elevate the dysfunction that we come from that, yeah. that, that it sort of diminishes the power of the cross to give us new beginnings, yeah. to change everything, including where we came from. And I, I think of uh, my bride here, and sometimes the tears fill, fill my eyes when I see the mother she has become and see how she's imprinted our children and, 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 and how the Word of God has been dear and near to her and has the transforming power of Christ because the cross changed everything in Karen's yeah. life. Yeah. Yes. It did the same thing in my mother. And so, you know, if you're listening to us right now and you're struggling in your marriage and, and you you don't, you know, you're wondering, oh, my, how can I get over my background and all of these things? Second uh, Corinthians 5.17 is in the Bible. Mm-hmm. If any man or woman be in Christ, they're a new creature. Old things are passed away and behold, all things become new. Now, that's not Pollyanna. doesn't mean that you won't have to deal with the residue of the bad feelings and all of that. But if God could raise a dead Jesus... Yeah. He can he can change everything in our lives, including giving us a new beginning to help us overcome our backgrounds. And I know I was so afraid of um, disappointing God because I had taken a vow and God's reputation was at stake. And if I couldn't live up to what I believe God to do in my life, then my family would say, well, we don't want to know the God that Karen knows because she's just like us. Yeah. It's been really amazing. It's the hope and the power of the cross there. And, uh, you know, Karen's story, my story is so, so very different. I mean, I, I, I'm blessed beyond measure and, uh, no one can ever boast with what God's given to you. In fact, yeah. I feel this incredible responsibility because of the favor of God in my background. My great grandfather, Peter, was a slave and, mm-hmm. um, he, you know, was, uh, my dad remembered him and you say, yeah, dad remembered. Yeah, my father was born in 1914 and, Peter lived to be an old man, mm-hmm. and my dad remembered Peter. Mm-hmm. And he he was illiterate. He prayed and uh, sang, but had memorized portions of Scripture. The story is that he would make his children and grandchildren read him familiar passages over and over again. And, wow. and uh, I don't know where Peter got this from, but he had a passion for his family. He mm-hmm. had a passion for his wife and his children. He passed that down to my grandfather, Milton, who had, uh, he and my grandmother, Anna, had uh, 14 kids, seven boys and seven girls. <laughs> they loved the Lord Jesus, and they prayed for a time that they couldn't see. And my, my dad loved the Lord, and then forging these generations. And so I, I had that growing up. I had a mother and a father in the home, and I never wondered whether or not, you know, they were going to be together, or I'd come home and one be gone. I never had that vision. And so that impacted me greatly. Yeah. But my mother, interestingly enough, comes from a similar background as Karen does. Mm-hmm. Uh, my mother never knew who her father was. 
And yet, as a, a young lady, young teenager, she gave her heart and life to Jesus, and that changed everything for her. Mm-hmm. And my mother, just like Karen, had an amazing passion for her children. I suppose it was Christ and also to compensate from where she came from that this is not going to happen to my family. And she made a decision. And so that's how things got turned around for us. So you saw in your family, your dad and your mom, a lot of character, yes. a lot of integrity. Yes. That's yes. in your DNA. Yes, yes. And yes. you've passed that DNA on to your children. Yeah, hopefully. <laughs> well, yes. I know some of your children, yeah. and I have seen that in them. And, of course, the last chapter hasn't been written on any no, of us. So you keep right. praying yes. for your yes. kids right. and your Absolutely. grandkids. Karen, one of the things I love about your story is that in spite of the broken relationships and dysfunction, God brought some people into your life who were good role models. Oh, he sure Planted did. some seeds of grace. Oh, my goodness. So it came up to a point when my mother, she was married briefly, and so we had a little brother now in the home. So it's myself, my younger brother, and then the baby brother. My mother wanted us to go to church on Sunday. She didn't go, but we were able to walk around our neighborhood and find a church to go. So I stayed at that church for a little bit, and I had a Sunday school teacher named Miss Green. I love Miss Green because she was always dressed from head to toe. I mean, she was always. <laughs> and she gave me this Bible that had a white cover, and in the back of the Bible had little red words and black words. I didn't know what it was. But, Honey, how uh, old were you at the time? Then? I was about 12 years old. Yeah. It's my little brother tagging along. So Miss Green, so I always went to Sunday school, but that church stayed, stayed too long, and I wanted to find a church that got out a little bit earlier. <laughs> So I found a church where I have to cross this big street with my brother tagging along with me. And so I found this church, and I went to this church because it looked like a church. It had a red door and stained glass windows. And there in this church, everybody didn't look like me. I was the only—my brother and I were only, you know, black children. But the pastor came, Pastor Peter Kowalchuk, met me at the door, little shirt man. He's um, from the Ukraine, and he— shook our hands and gave us this bear hug and just loved on us. Mm. And that became my church family. And those people, even though the neighborhood was demographically changing, that group of people stayed there and loved on me. Mm. And God brought his wife into my life. Then Shiloh and Mission moved their headquarters a couple blocks away from that church. And their, their staff came and joined our church. So I had some godly women, four godly women that loved me through elementary through junior high, high school, and then college, when I was going to college. In fact, my college Sunday school teacher introduced me to a guy named Crawford Loritz. She just dragged me one time to this concert. So life began there at Memorial Baptist Church. No, it wasn't. But, you know, I I was on a mission to be this social worker, but God had other plans. But he put women to my life that modeled to me what godly women look like and what godly wives look like, and they became my family. And what a word of encouragement that is. I know we talk a lot on Reviver Hearts about mm-hmm. Titus 2, mm-hmm. about mm-hmm. women yes. mentoring mm-hmm. women, the message of the adorned book, living yes. out the beauty mm-hmm. of the gospel together. And I think about how many girls, teens, young women there are around us who come from horrific backgrounds, dysfunctional backgrounds, mm-hmm. broken homes, broken lives, and God puts them in our path. Mm-hmm. For us to be the hands and feet of Jesus. And you know, those four women did not intentionally say, point out and says, I'm going to take Karen. I was Williams at the time. Take Karen Williams. I'm going to change her life. No, they just did it because they loved God. Yeah. And they wanted to model what godliness looked like. And so they loved sacrificially. They took me on different things and just showed me not only how to cook, 
how to dress properly, how to pray. They taught me how to pray. Miss Nichols about evangelism. Miss Kowalczyk, how to serve your husband. I could go on and on and on, but they just did that out of the overflow of their lives. Mm-hmm. And I was a much blessed mm-hmm. woman. Mm-hmm. So then after you got married and you had your meltdown there on your honeymoon, oh, were gosh. there some other women that God used in your life in those early marriage years? In the early marriage years, I was a little on shaky ground because I you know, just figured I knew everything and I didn't know everything. <laughs> But the Lord brought into my life, and remember, here in Atlanta, when we moved to Atlanta, um, being involved in ministry, he gave me in my life Miss Margaret Ponder. And she was a woman that had six kids, and she was abandoned by her husband, and she was raising these children by herself. She's a businesswoman, and she loved the Lord. And sort of like she zeroed in on me when I came into church, just looking in my eyes. Either I had a bad day or whatever, wasn't talking to my children properly or the way I looked at Crawford. She would always just talk to me and give me scriptures and pray for me. So Mrs. Ponder was my spiritual mother mm. through all those years and just modeled that to me and would not let me cower away and do the wrong thing. She would always check me on that. So I always call her, she's my Elizabeth in life. I think every woman should have an Elizabeth in their life, a Mary in their life, a, you know, a contemporary. And then Elizabeth is an older woman. Then you have the Martha, who is a person in your same age, season of life, and then a Mary, a younger person that you can just even informally just give out, like, like it's in your book, Nancy, mm-hmm. and adorned about mm-hmm. that Titus II woman. We all have something to do, and mm-hmm. Mrs. Ponder was that for me, my spiritual mother. Mm-hmm. So you've had all three of those kinds of women in your life. I have. I sure have. And you've have. been those various women in mm-hmm. other women's lives. Yes, yes. Not Sometimes not on purpose, but it, sometimes you just, God brings it into your life. You have something from the overflow, Yeah. and you just do that. So I have some women now that they're all my Marthas, and we're helping each other through the seasons of life, especially in the ages that we are now. <laughs> okay, I want to go back to how you guys met. Oh, we yeah. actually went to the same Bible college. Yes, we did. A few years <laughs> apart. It was called Philadelphia College of Bible when I was there. Yeah. I'm not sure what it was called well, back in the day. Well, they've had some different iterations. It's Philadelphia College of Bible. It's the same thing back when now we were there. Now it's Karen University. Karen University, that's right. Great so, school. Yeah, Crawford, yeah. do you remember the first time you saw Karen? Oh, oh yeah. I, Here we actually, go, Nancy. This is going to be going to be a different You have a different version? Yeah, different version, but, um, you know, hers is always right. So, (laughs) Actually, we first saw each other. I don't remember. At that concert concert. where my mentor, Miss Mary Entwistle, dragged me to hear you singing. I was singing the college choir, and so she she drug you there. She did. It was was April of 1969. Yeah, so I was was a chore to meet her. No. Yeah, okay. But at any rate, um, so... Nancy, this story is I, I had broken up with my high school sweetheart. This is the summer in between my uh, freshman and sophomore year in college. And so actually it was probably about a week or two before I got back on campus. And I was devastated. I really was. I was in my dorm room praying. This is actually a true story. I was on my knees praying and said, God, no more women. They mess you up every time. I'm going to stay focused on <laughs> Jesus this semester and not going to, you know, date anybody or whatever. Well, I get up off my knees and uh, walk down the main administration building, my mind filled with this deep-seated stalwart prayer. And people who know me even back then, I could be fairly focused when my mind is made up. So I I wasn't going to be distracted at all. But I opened the doors of the main administration building. And honestly, this is what happened. There was, a, you know, the 1800 Arch right. Street building. Downtown there. Philly. Downtown Philly. They had the stairs that went up. And there at the top of the stairs were these two brown legs. And... <laughs> And I said, Lord, what have we here? I was just healed immediately. So, 
of your focus. <laughs> of my focus. Oh, that my was word. new so, focus. The new focus. So I introduced myself to Karen. She was new on campus, and you know, my mother taught me to be hospitable to strangers, and and uh, that was how we first first met. And uh, but that was the end of it. Until months later, until almost the end of the school year in March. Yeah, this is where there's a little bit of a disagreement well, in our stories. No, 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 because <laughs> I was seeing someone else. Yes, you were, fresh. but but she was a commuter, and she used to sit with her girlfriends <laughs> at this certain place. I would get out of class where she could see me coming <laughs> past her, and uh, but she denies that to this very Crawford, day. Crawford Loritz, I'd say 47 years. But anyway, <laughs> so I never really had any conversations because I was a commuter, and I was working at a law firm, at, you know, helping out in clerical things, and then I was just busy. It wasn't until March. It wasn't until March that I'm home, and I get this call 9.30 in the evening, and it's Crawford Lewis calling me. And I says, how did you get my my phone number? Well, the guy that I was dating, who was a senior. Mm-hmm. Let's tell the rest of the, the story The guy here. I was dating who was a senior had given him my phone number. Yeah. And so, you know, I was... I just went ahead and kept was talking to him, and Crawford went on and on and on. Probably we talked for about two year, two hours. Yeah, it was. And a, what I thought was a person who was a little bit, you know, much. He ended up being a nice guy. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> so we talked that day, and over the weekend we started dating. I mean, yeah, it was crazy. Yeah, it was crazy, yeah, wasn't we, it? We were still in college when we got married. I was. Uh, I just finished the end of my sophomore year. The junior year when we got married. We got married oh, in uh, the junior, sophomore yes, year. Yes, and so, 47 years, four kids and 11 grandkids yeah, later, later. It's amazing. Yeah. We have a book yeah. with a message out of your lives. Yeah. <laughs> we want to make that book available to our listeners this week. It's called Your Marriage Today and Tomorrow by Crawford and Karen Loritz. And, you know, at the beginning of this book, there are pages of beautiful endorsements about this book from various Christian leaders. And I had a chance to write some words for Mm -hmm. this as well. I was honored to do that. But I think the four most meaningful endorsements, Mm -hmm. I've never seen this in another book. Mm -hmm. It's from your four children. Yes. Let me read Mm -hmm. one from Heather, one of your two daughters. She says, I've been to the conferences and I've heard the talks. That's because you all have done a lot of talks (laughs) at a lot of conferences. She said, however, nothing beats having watched the truths in this book lived out in front of me blessed beyond measure to have these examples. Mm, mm. And uh, that's from somebody who grew up in this family mm. and who knows that you're not mm. perfect, mm. husband and wife or parents. And uh, you acknowledge that throughout this book. We want to talk over the next couple of days about some of the gifts that every wife needs, mm. some mm. of the gifts that every husband needs, mm. and how to build a marriage that not only goes the distance, but plants seeds of grace and godliness that will reap a harvest mm. for generations to come. So that book is available to any of our listeners uh, this week. If you make a donation of any amount to the Ministry of Revive Our Hearts, then we want to say thank you by sending you a copy of this book, Your Marriage Today by Crawford and Karen. And it's our way of saying thank you for your support of this ministry. Just give us a call at 1-800-569-5959. Again, that's 1-800-569-5959. Or you can visit us online at reviveourhearts.com. And when you make your gift, be sure and let us know that you want a copy of this book. I've read it twice now. Oh, my word. And um, (laughs) I rarely do that with a book, but I still consider myself something of a newlywed. And I was like a sponge Mm. taking in what could 
I learn? How could I grow to be a better encourager and support to Robert? How can God make our marriage one that better tells the gospel story? So I've been blessed, encouraged, and challenged, and I know our readers will be as well. We're going to talk tomorrow about what gifts every wife needs in her marriage. So you might even want to get your husband and ask him if he'd listen to this broadcast or podcast with you. And uh, so you can get it from two... Uh, I don't know if you consider yourselves experts, but I think you are. You've, you've gone the distance, and uh, you'll hear it from this couple, some things that I think will be really practical helps for any marriage at any stage. Be sure and be back with us tomorrow for Revive Our Hearts. Revive Our Hearts with Nancy DeMoss Walgamuth wants you to experience the blessings of a Christ-centered marriage. It's an outreach of Life Action Ministries.